Chapters eleven, twelve, and thirteen of Philomène's Marriages by Henri Greville, translated by Helen Stanley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter eleven, the wolf. The afternoon was lovely. The sea rolled with a dreamy regularity, and the silver fringe that bordered the waves left small flakes of foam on the fine sand that shone in the sunshine. Light clouds floated very high in the heavens and millions of spangles danced on the sea in the tremblings of the waves virginie walked on with her basket like little red riding hood happy and proud to be sent as a messenger to the renowned parisians the seeds of the dandelions which children call travellers and which floated on every side in the june air were not lighter than the young girl's heart she went on blowing at times on a little traveller that slowly passed her face looking at the bay with admiration without quite realizing what she felt then casting her eyes on the grassy hilltops saying to herself that it was all very beautiful and that life was very sweet happy youth there are hours when approaching twenty years of age in which the heart suddenly grows warm and swells and like unto a balloon floats away to the far heights of heaven without one's knowing the reason why a bright day comes a gentle wind shakes the leaves the travellers fly about on all sides a thrush warbles on a branch and behold all at once one says to oneself that life is good and long that the future will be happy that the world is full of unexplored joys when we are past thirty we no longer know the charm of such reveries joys have come but the rest has come too alas virginie was not yet twenty years old and on such a beautiful day it seemed impossible to her that something pleasant should not happen to her she had read much in fairy tales and here we will make a parenthesis there have been found very wise people full of practical sense of cleverness even who have declared the perusal of fairy tales pernicious and calculated to pervert the judgment of childhood these wise persons are certainly right for it is undeniable that animals speak no human tongue whatever that magicians cannot change pumpkins into chariots and that king's sons marry in preference princesses of their own rank when they can find them but has a child ever been met with so little intelligence as really to believe in so many wonders a child is not as credulous as one supposes if he has an absolute faith in his father's and mother's word it is because he looks them in their eyes while they are talking it is on account of a habit born with his first cries which has taught him that his parents love him and only wish his welfare but if a stranger tries to tell him some extraordinary fact to give him some information that seems improbable to his mind which is intolerant because he is ignorant the child looks at the stranger with the undefinable arch look of one who feigns to be deceived through good breeding and says afterwards he thought i believed him but it is not true papa is it a child does not believe in fairy tales any more than he believes in santa claus but he finds an extraordinary pleasure in persuading himself that he believes in them after the disagreeable lesson the scolding master the little burn that makes him suffer after the punishment that deprives him of his dessert after the task or verb to be studied during recreation it is very nice to say to himself ah if there were only fairies if the ceiling could open to let a marvellous lady pass through covered with satin and diamonds who would carry me off to her palace how would the palace be made at once the task the burn the master the dry bread are forgotten and the child dreams of chimeras appropriate to his age just as later he will dream of an infinite eternal love as later still he will dream of being a prefect or of having a red ribbon 
who would wish to deprive a young man of believing in the disinterested love of his washerwoman who would have the courage to refuse the small tradesman the hope of having some day a country-house on a hillside in the environs of paris neither the one nor the other really believe in their dream but they love to persuade themselves that they do and that is happiness do we not all speak of dreams that in the very depths of ourselves we know cannot be realized virginie had read many fairy tales and of course be it understood did not believe in them but she loved to recall them and as she was walking she mingled confusedly in her memory little red riding hood cinderella and the ass's skin on the road to la heuserie one could not meet wolves or king's sons however she said to herself that if the king's son had passed on the road the day that the wolf ate little red riding hood attracted by the poor child's cries he would have burst in the door killed the wolf and carried off the little shepherdess to his mother the queen's house the queen was kind little red riding hood amiable and charming in spite of the futility of her character the king's son would have married her and then where are you going like that my pretty young lady said a voice quite close to virginie it is the wolf thought she with a shiver that shook the basket of strawberries and made some fall on the ground it was not the wolf it was lavenel who made henceforth every day an inspection around la heuserie the master's eye you see recovered from her fright virginie bowed to the grain merchant whom she had known since a long while i am going to see the parisians said she to take them this basket of strawberries my godmother sends them lavenel faithful to his habit took two strawberries out of the basket and ate them without ceremony then he raised his eyes on the young girl and seemed quite astonished you have grown very much since last year said he with more grace than he generally showed in the relations of life how old are you mademoiselle virginie i will be twenty in all saints day replied the young girl are you going to la heuserie i am going a little farther i do not wish to detain you he walked on with virginie and on the way asked her a thousand questions relative to her father to the state of his affairs and his plans without distrust the young girl answered him frankly first she did not know how to lie and then lavenel about to marry philomene was nearly a married man and in her eyes a man forty years old married or nearly so was a venerable personage never will people of forty years of age know how old they seem to those who are only twenty lavenel thus learned that m buron had bought three pieces of land that he had replaced a bad cow for two good ones that his last crop of oats had been sold for a fifth more than his neighbours because its quality was very much superior and all this gave him much to reflect upon he walked with his head down buried in profound meditation when suddenly and you mademoiselle virginie when are you going to marry he said in a gentle voice i there is time enough besides i am very hard to please you have the right to be the grain merchant replied gallantly but to correct what might be too amiable in that phrase he added immediately a rich young lady like yourself has a right to aspire to what is best i am not very rich virginie replied innocently bah you certainly have two thousand francs income only eighteen hundred ah well that is very nice is it in land no in ready money it is a fancy of my father's who wished to liquidate what i inherited from my mother as soon as she died so that he should have no trouble when i became of age in crowns repeated lavenel it is an odd idea not a very good one 
for you know mademoiselle people around here like land better my husband however will have to be satisfied with it replied virginie smiling land you see continued lavenel can be seen can be touched he struck the ground with his inelegant foot while bonds what are they only paper there is nothing but land under the sun virginie scarcely listened to him la heuserie was not far distant and the young girl was asking herself how she should turn her little complimentary speech on arriving when lavenel troubled her meditation but your father has no other child said he you are his only heiress virginie gently shook her head there is a second wife said she with a shadow of sadness in her sweet-toned voice i think he will leave her his fortune ah the devil only the half of it at most exclaimed lavenel suddenly much warmed one does not disinherit one's child what is this you tell me virginie continued to shake her head very gently and he went on with fresh vehemence that is tangible property furnished houses and buildings if it were papers bonds titles of incomes payable to the bearer such as they have nowadays i would say nothing but as to tangible property it cannot be you can plead you can gain the suit ah monsieur lavenel said the young girl sadly there is no lawsuit to be made they have made a contract and what they owned is not to be in common lavenel who had cooled a little took a few steps without saying anything then returning to a mysterious idea which he did not emit was your father rich when he married the second time asked he he was comfortably off then you will have the half of what he owned at that time you are an heiress mademoiselle virginie do you understand law a little answered the young girl with a melancholy tone one is obliged to do so when one has to protect one's property you do well an heiress should always understand law well as to myself should i marry here virginie looked at him askant but he pretended not to see it i would wish to put everything in common so that my wife's interests would only be one with mine and i would know how to protect them i can tell you philomene's people relations have only to hold out well thought virginie au revoir monsieur lavenel said she out loud here i am to one of these days mademoiselle answered philomene's gallant honouring the young girl with a great bow with his hat chapter twelve a sudden invasion virginie entered the yard at the noise of the bar falling marie appeared at the first-story window charles said she to her husband there is the greuze coming with a basket of strawberries charles ran rapidly down the stairs to see the greuze and nearly fell on the young girl who drew back his step smiling that is what comes of too much haste mademoiselle said he conducting her into the room on the ground floor in my impatience to see you i nearly killed you virginie began to laugh this unceremonious manner put her at her ease and her sympathy for the parisians redoubled when she saw marie enter cordial and merry as usual who holding out both her hands and taking her basket addressed her at once half a dozen friendly questions all calculated to provoke the confidence and to encourage the young provincial girl's timidity was it yourself mademoiselle who thought of coming or rather your godmother who sent you asked charles who loved to see the young girl's white teeth appear from under her timid and kindly smile i do not wish to tell an untruth monsieur said she it was my godmother who bade me come but she knew very well the pleasure she gave me nicely answered said the novelist with an air of approbation 
and do you think mademoiselle virginie you will have as much pleasure in returning another time as to that i am very sure replied she looking at marie by the end of five minutes the most perfect cordiality reigned between our three friends and one would have said they had known each other all their lives it sometimes happens that a sympathy of opinion on the most essential points is understood between persons who see each other for the first time a word a look meetly exchanged makes one divine that the newcomer thinks and feels like oneself then a great cordiality is established that is all the stronger because it is so sudden and that it gives to the new friends the unhoped-for pleasure of an agreeable discovery this was what happened to virginie in regard to the young couple she felt herself their friend and immediately with the enthusiasm which is one of the most beautiful gifts of her age they became as dear to her as though she had known them all her life charles made virginie tell him about the impressions of her childhood he found an extraordinary charm of freshness and grace in the recital of the young girl's thoughts who more intelligent than her surroundings was still however a stranger to all vanity and ambition and have you never desired to live in large cities asked he at length never answered the young girl i could live there perhaps as well as another for i imagine one must meet many beautiful things in them and also kind people added she looking at madame verroy while her pretty face became covered with a blush at the thought of her boldness a shadow appeared upon the door always open according to the patriarchal custom of the country and amidst a cry of joy and astonishment and charles's and marie's hearty laughter there was seen to fall at virginie's feet who drew back with a fright a straw hat a case for another a travelling easel a parasol and an artist's folding-chair a gourd a box of paints a handkerchief tied at the four corners containing linen and shoes and a large body clad in grey and shod with canvas sandals stretched itself out at full length on the family bench exclaiming ah well talk to me of leagues in the country for refreshing a man i am dead my friends i am dead virginie who was alarmed contemplated this invasion without knowing what to say and a lost cat who had adopted the verroise hearth and who warmed herself thereat usually with her paws curled up and her nose on the ashes now erected her back hissed and flew up the chimney it is our friend masson said charles to reassure her masson arose picked up his hat and made a louis the thirteenth bow to the young girl sweeping the ground with the border of his yokohama the which he had paid forty-five centimes for in a shop opposite the railway station and said to her in a melodious voice mademoiselle i am your very humble servant every one burst out laughing and virginie growing emboldened aided marie in picking up all the luggage that was strewn on the ground accept mesdames my humble apologies for the trouble i give you groaned masson reassuming his place on the bench but i have walked six leagues with the little things that you behold and in canvas sandals those fantastic shoes covered with mud of all colours had gained on the way a double sole of clay that was far more thick than the first and laughter began again marie brought wine fruit bread and butter and virginie who had decidedly adopted her following her everywhere had ended by discovering one knew not how but with that intuition of poodles and persons who have loving hearts a glass knives and forks and a napkin and masson left his horizontal position and seated himself before the feast at the moment when having filled his glass he was about to carry it to his lips he stopped and raised it to his brow i drink to the hospitable gods said he to his hosts to hebe 
added he turning towards virginie who amazed lowered her eyes half smiling after having emptied his glass masson attacked the solids and after some moments during which the others had looked at him eating i feel better said he this is how it all happened a slight noise attracted his attention towards the chimney he saw the cat who having recognized the absence of all danger carefully descended the pot-hook and returned to her beloved ashes that were still warm as our number is now complete said he i begin night before last i was strapping my valise when i saw benedict enter i had left my key in my door and you will learn by and by what that negligence cost me benedict entered then look at me packing up my effects and remarking a superb pair of hunting-shoes that had never assisted at the killing of anything but a hare last year he said to me what are you going to do with those wear them down there replied i down there where in normandy on the beach in the sand in the sand where somewhere near pieux pieux that is inland i was there five or six years ago well on the cliffs somewhere there are cliffs there the devil oh yes my friend there are some there but do you imagine you can walk in that country in gendarmes boots it's all rocks my friend all rocks you would say you were walking on curry-combs with their points up in the air never could you walk there in those he turned my beautiful boots round with disdain and having said this he let them fall on the floor from the height of a maître i confess they were heavy what do you wish me to put on my feet then i asked him with the innocence of a lamb who baas calling the butcher canvas sandals my dear canvas sandals they are supple and soft the thick sole preserves one from the points of the rocks and then one is so comfortable in them cybritism and the natural cowardice of man aiding i bought some beautiful canvas sandals you see them masson stretched out his feet that had no longer any form or colour and i put them in my travelling-bag i left i arrived as they say in dramas they deposited me at a little station covered with roses oh such roses i have never seen so many except on your cheeks mademoiselle said he turning towards virginie who was listening to him with wide-opened eyes there was also a carriage there a sort of stage-wagon that brought me to pieux till there everything went well it was this morning about ten o'clock at pieux and apropos why do they call it pieux asterisk pieux meaning in french pious persons translator's note without making a pun there is only one the belfry of the church which one can see at least from the outskirts of paris so never-ending is it there i refreshed myself and i asked the innkeeper who could have thought of him he had the air of such an honest man i asked him if diolette was far away and if that place was far from the one before it it is a short hour from here by the cross-roads the innkeeper answered very well said i i will go on foot i shouldered all that you see there i looked like dupree in the cigale but not so nice you know and behold me off by the cross-road i walked a short hour and then a long one and i did not see the sea my man had told me that a little before reaching your house i would see the sea i said to myself it was because i was too much loaded that i did not march in regulation step and then i walked another short hour then i had patent leather boots on they are there tied in the handkerchief my toes began to burn and i sat down upon the edge of a hillside and put on my canvas sandals 
my triumphant sandals and i set forth again with a lighter step certainly when i had walked a short kilometre i felt quite comfortable but nevertheless the leagues of the country began to seem long to me then the landscape changed no more heaths but ravines delicious ravines with adorable brooks filled with delectable cresses that made me think of cyropedia and of roast chicken then more ravines more brooks more cresses i think i said to myself friend masson you have lost the cross-road and in effect i had lost it but i found another and besides when one loses a cross-road it is not lost for every one here another shadow appeared in the door and philomene entered quietly at this sight virginie blushed the cat again fled and marie rose to offer a chair a short moment of general discomfiture followed then masson continued his story but without any pleasure or gaiety fatigue had evidently gotten the upper hand virginie left accompanied by the pleadings of charles and his wife to renew her visit often i have no voice in the chapter said masson bowing but if i dared mademoiselle i would express the same wish in thanking him virginie gave him a look so full of mischief and of fun that the young man was amazed she is charming she is charming she is charming said he when she had disappeared one can very well steal that verse from m auger in speaking of such an amiable girl since we have known her my dear replied Verwa, we have said nothing else to each other philomene threw towards the door through which virginie had disappeared a sullen look full of threatenings but the door did not seem moved by it and masson who had followed it was not moved any the more but he lodged it in his memory to take it out later when the time and season arrived chapter thirteen how happy could i be with either lavenel had returned to his home for no business whatever had led him in the direction of la huserie reflecting profoundly on many secret things first through what singular chance had it happened that virginie buron had delayed that year the visit she generally made her godmother at easter time people who change their habits are truly insupportable one is accustomed to see them in april they arrive in july and one doesn't even know where one is in the seasons and then how pretty she was that little girl the year before she was not much to look at those little thinnish girls who change their feathers often cause one these surprises but it is stupid for truly one does not know any longer what to count on with them she was black behold her white and pink she was long with spider claws put for arms in her shoulders and now she has superb arms it is absurd and then what a droll sort of body the father buron to have put his daughter's fortune in crowns lavenel had slandered crowns first because it is the custom of the normand country and then because it was his whim to slander them just then but at the bottom it would be a very fine advantage for the coming son-in-law on the condition however that the son-in-law was an intelligent man who would not go and dream of reconverting the crowns into land crowns they are made to roll trade for instance that lives from credit but also from a great deal of ready money that was what that pretty dot and sounding crowns needed here lavenel thought of his debts he owed around the world ten thousand francs and found it hard to pay the interest at twelve per cent his lender was very amiable and did not reclaim any reimbursement either near at hand or in the distance 
but twelve per cent a year that made one per cent a month and when there are a great many hundreds it is an income an income that one would have to regain here and there on grain wheat and issues lavenel sighed how unattractive philomene was hold there she was coming with her angular walk her fist resting backwards on her hip as though she were giving herself a thrust to send herself forward what a difference between philomene and virginie eh eh but then it was natural for between these two women there was a flight of twenty years of age lavenel thought over virginie's charms and to avoid the sight of his betrothed he opened a fence entered a field and disappeared from sight his thoughts had followed him however for on entering his house he threw with a bad humour three sprigs of clover sometimes called sweet pink trefoil on the table from over her spectacles old madame lavenel contemplated the three sprigs for a long time then her son then the three sprigs again and ended by asking what is that that replied her son is some clover of louis bonmarin's that i picked in his grass-field ah said the old woman without ceasing to cast her eyes from the clover to her heir she did not seize the relation between the sprigs of hay and master theodore lavenel's bad humour the latter dragged his hat over his eyes plunged his punchinello's nose and his sharp-pointed chin in the mysteries of his cravat with its many folds then without any preamble do you know mother said he that virginie Beron will have thirty-six francs of dot in ready money no my boy answered the old woman who stopped looking at her son and the sprigs of clover to return to her knitting for she had understood the enigma and then the half of her father's fortune at the latter's death madame lavenel shook her head negatively and set her needles to work dexterously and a pretty girl is virginie and amiable and polite he made a few turns around the shop gave a kick to an empty bag that was lying on the floor and suddenly between his teeth i deserve my fate said he one needs to be an imbecile to wish to marry philomene for a moment the steel needles beat the measure of a little rapid and melancholy tune there is nothing done about it yet said madame lavenel slowly theodore turned around brusquely you said mother there is nothing done about it repeated the old woman with her tranquil voice lavenel came and leaned on the counter placed his two elbows on it his head in his two hands and for a quarter of an hour the mother and son talked to each other in a low voice as they do in melodramas End of chapters eleven twelve and thirteen